1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today. Kathy Nesbitt, who has a dual mission to help save the earth with worm composting and to help us all feel better through laughter. Kathy didn't see herself as an entrepreneur for many years. She was a secretary, where she was one of the annoying ones who enjoyed her work and sought to create more positive work culture and bridge divides. In 2002, when nearby Toronto closed its landfill... She became curious and bothered by the realization that all the garbage was being trucked away. She then dove headfirst into worm composting, which enables apartment dwellers to do composting indoors. It wasn't an easy sell. Even though she had a solution to a problem, people still weren't buying it. She began telling her story and educating people, garnering interest from local media and eventually one of the larger Toronto newspapers. Ten years in, she's still getting discouraged, but she was introduced to laughter yoga and actually got hooked to that. She now teaches laughter yoga and trains others to do so. As Kathy explains, laughter is a potent antidote to stress because it replaces badly needed oxygen to the brain. When we're stressed... We literally are not in our right minds because our blood and oxygen get funneled to the rest of our body. When we laugh, we can't help but take deeper breaths. Smiling and laughter also send messages to the brain telling it to replace the cortisol with dopamine, which is the love drug. Laughter Yoga, a movement founded by a doctor and yoga teacher in India who believes laughter is one of the keys to world peace, teaching people these activities and practices to make them laugh, helps reduce stress, and spread more joy. It's also allowed Kathy to feel better about her business, which now is actually starting to do better. Now, let's get better together. Kathy Nesbitt, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Jerry. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, I am excited to uh, to talk to you because you do this company, which is even hard for me to say, Kathy's Crawley Composters or Kathy's Composters. So you sell worms, right? Which is the coolest thing ever. But then you also do laugh yoga or laughter yoga, which, um, we were talking a little bit ahead of time about how the worms led to laughter, which I think is going to be my new great next line. Um, (laughs) But before we talk about all that sort of stuff, uh, like I always like to say, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today?
2: Thank you. Beautiful. I love that. So, uh, so my working title is Kathy Crawley, Laughing Bean Queen. <laughs> and I, I really believe that I was put on earth to put worms in every living space. So my main gig is the indoor composting with worms. Ideally for, well, I guess for anybody that gardens and wants wonderful soil, um, my, my prime objective when I started was, um, I'm located uh, just north of Toronto the, in Canada, the largest city in, in Canada. And our landfill closed in 2002, mm. and we started shipping garbage to the U.S. You're welcome. Bye-bye, mm. <laughs> 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 oh, we Garbage.
1: Love, we love Canadians. I mean, I, not right. garbage. Yeah, not yeah, the garbage, our though.
2: Garbage, it's all separated and <laughs> sorted Nice. It's,
1: it's good Canadian garbage, yeah.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no swearing in that garbage. Come no, on, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Right? And and it was like, oh my gosh. So what I'm what I'm uh, vermicomposting is simply um, in composting with worms, and it's done inside. So in the winter, it's a little bit challenging to compost outside. Um, so and and if you live in a condo or townhouse where you don't have space to do composting, it's an ideal solution. So I started my great green enterprise back in 2002, selling worms by the pound. And I thought it would be easy because I was like, wow, we have this big garbage problem. Our landfill closed. When our landfill closed for the largest city in a country, it's a big smelly problem. <laughs> right. And shipping it out of the country, like at the beginning, 218 wheelers were leaving Toronto area to Michigan. Garbage. Wow. wow. A thousand trucks a week. Like, holy moly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like, think about the environmental impact of that, all those trucks, all that added it. And then our tax dollars hard at work, right? Yeah. It costs a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. Right?
2: Yeah. yeah. So I was like, ah, I have a solution. This is something. And, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, I think you get an idea and you're like, oh, this is so great. Everybody needs this. And then, um, and then you set about, then you start your, your business and you're like, oh my gosh, this will be great. I'll be rolling in it. (laughs) And then you start and then you're like, oh, people in my mind, people need what I have, but they don't want what I have.
1: Hmm.
2: There's a big difference, right? We go by what we want. We buy what we want, not what we need necessarily. Right. right. So ha, so I was like, OK, this will be great. And at my first event. Oh, my gosh. The first event that I did was an eco event. And I was like, oh, this will be so great. This is our market. It's an eco event. Wow. This will be great. So uh, it, my husband and I are working in this in, uh, in business together. And so it took us maybe three weeks to get ready for that first show. Because we were gonna sell out for sure, right? Of course everybody mm, of was gonna buy our product.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we had our, you know, we were all stacked up, our thing. It took us a long hours to set up our, our display. Uh not one person bought anything <laughs> that day. And I was wow. like, Oh, oh, oh. And then my mother then my in laws arrived and I love my in-, in my in-laws and they came and, and my mother in law and I, I guess what she felt bad for me. So <laughs> So she bought one. I said to my husband after, I didn't even give your, your parents a discount.
1: No, <laughs> oh, no. My uh, my old line on that is, oh, friends and family, we charge you double.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for supporting. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So all this time, you know, I was like, okay, this is really great. Everyone needs this. And not so much. I mean, they need it, but they didn't know that they needed it. And so I have lots of energy. 19 years I've been doing this. Oh, maybe, maybe 2012 or so, I was starting to get discouraged, like, you know, one more person said, Ew, worms in the house. So if you're saying, "Ooh," you're not hearing my message, if you're if you're not knowing about what I'm doing, and I created an expression that goes with my business, and it's without awareness, action is impossible. Like you're not calling me if you're afraid of worms, or you don't know they can be inside. (laughs) So I, so I was like, oh, one more person. I was like, man, maybe I should just get a job. <laughs> oh, who would have me?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always say that I'm unemployable too.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, once you've been on your own for a long time, you and I, I, you know, we could talk about that after, but what it takes to be an entrepreneur, you know, you really have to be motivated and um, you can't just like set up your website and just wait. <laughs> you got to, you got to hustle, you got to do work, call people or, and that's part of the piece that's missing today is people don't want to call. They don't want to talk on the phone. Hmm. And somebody recently said to me, if you don't talk on the phone or, or talk face to face, you're losing business because people need to know you. And you yeah. you'd miss out when you're just texting and emailing. Mm-hmm. You're missing that, that connection piece missing. Yeah. How many times have people been misinterpreted? You know, you send an email somebody's rates back. Oh, I'm offended. It's like, Oh, so many
1: times. Come. Yeah. I don't like the median of email or texting for any kind of communication other than tactical uh, transactional things. I mean, you can write good email to tell stories for marketing and stuff, but when it comes to like negotiation slash like, okay, we're going to work together or interpreting a touchy situation, how many times in my life has it been someone sent an email and the email thread monster just bills and bills and bills. And then all of a sudden now we're in a meeting with HR because <laughs> you know someone took it the wrong way. And it's like, why didn't we just talk about it? And you're right, I think. Like a lot of people, they don't want to have conversations face-to-face or even on the telephone interesting
2: well the younger said it seems uh hmm. somebody said to me recently a younger person said it's rude to just call people and i was like wow well, really I be, you you would write you would phone somebody to say can we make an appointment to meet yeah and now you got to make an appointment to phone i'm like yeah. well just phone me i don't need an appointment just phone me and if i if you get me you get me if you don't leave a message
1: huh. <laughs> yeah well i just remember when like you used to dial the phone or touchpad the phone and you know it could be busy (laughs) you know and or you'd you know get the receptionist oh yeah can i or whatever we call them now but you know like it was a it was a process i think that yeah i think the art of communications probably either morphed or lost on this generation in some ways
2: yeah they have different skills they absolutely have different skills um yeah, that will be, that will serve them fine in this, you know, t- high tech age that we're in. Um, but yeah, communication. Okay. So, so I was introduced to laughter yoga. I was just like, Oh my, man, I'm kind of getting discouraged with, you know, trying to do this great thing for the planet when nobody gives a crap. Right. Like, it's right, like here right. I am. Yay. Come on, everybody get worms. And they're like, yeah, okay. Not, <laughs> not happening, but good for you. Right. Like everyone cheering me on. Yay. Good for you. Oh, that's so great. It's like, do you have worms yet? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Once you get worms. Yeah. Call me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I was at a business thing and the speaker was a laughter yoga teacher and she just did a quick five minute intro to laughter yoga. And I was like, laughter yoga. What's that? That sounds fun. I love laughing. That same week I was at a networking event, hundreds of people, The very first person that I met was a laughter yoga teacher. So I said, wow, twice in one week. So I said to her, oh, laughter yoga is (laughs) mainstream. And she said, no, it isn't. (laughs) That night we trooped around together and everybody we met, I said, have you heard of laughter yoga? Have you heard of laughter yoga? And nobody had. So I said, wow, hmm, curious. Hmm." So I started attending her class and I loved it so much. I decided to get trained and I loved that so much. I decided to train as a teacher. So now I teach leaders how to, how to bring this wonderful thing.
1: Wow. Mm. Hmm. Wow. A lot to unpack there for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, so fascinating. So you, you, so what, what did you do before the, the worm business before 2002?
2: So right before I was a social worker, but for 20 years, I was a secretary.
1: Oh, okay.
2: I don't know what the word is.
1: now. <laughs> well, you can use that. whatever word you want to self-identify with. That's totally up to you. That's totally, you know, up to you. I
2: would, yeah, I was the coffee getter.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So, so you talk on the phone a lot then.
2: Oh, I, I was, I was great on the phone. I was the gatekeeper, right? If you right. wanted to talk to the president, right. you, needed to, you needed to like me and get me to like you.
1: Yeah. Well, that yeah. that is actually a, a skill that a lot of people don't really understand anymore. We we used to have a rule when we hired people that we would always ask the receptionist, secretary, administrative assistant, whatever, you know, whatever we called them, we would always say like, so what did you think of the candidate? Because if the candidate treated the exec, you know, the assistant poorly, that just means that they were kiss up, kick down kind of people. And we did not want them because the, like you said, the most important person in an office Is the assistant the gatekeeper for the CEO, the C level, because they're the ones that set the agenda for what they do in a day? Which I'm sure you did. I'm sure if you didn't like someone, it's like, yeah, you're going on the bottom of the pile.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's still busy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and that was over 20 years ago, right? Exactly. (laughs) So what, 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 what is it like? So what did you learn from
2: that experience
1: uh, that? kind of translate it over to be an entrepreneur.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's really important. I would say to people get lots of jobs while you're young, try different things, see what you like. So I didn't know I was an entrepreneur, by the way, I thought I was destined to be in the office for, for life. And (laughs) so I was good at it and I liked it. I really did enjoy it since, uh, since that was my lot in life. I said, okay, well I'm here. Might as well enjoy my time because I saw so many people, nine to fivers who were like, you know, hated Mondays, hump day, yippee. And then Friday, whoa, they couldn't wait for Friday. It's like, so you're willing away your whole week, right? (laughs) You know, and then for the weekend and then you hate Sunday nights because, oh no, Monday, tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right that, what kind of life is that? And so I would be the one who was really annoying on Monday mornings. I'd go in, I'd be like singing and whistling and, you know, hip, hip hopping around. And um, yeah, I'd be really annoying person <laughs> for the people that hate that lifestyle that were just like, you know, trying to just get through life till the, so they could get to the party on the weekend. Um, that that's not my life. You know, my stepfather died when I was 20, when I was uh, 21 and I loved my stepfather. And I was like, man, only the good die young he'll <laughs> mm. live forever. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, that when he, when he passed, I was like, Oh, it was a big message. He, although he loved his job. I said, I would never stay in a job that didn't serve me. Mm. And so that was his gift to me. And so what did I learn? I learned, I learned I learned the communication piece right I was the gatekeeper I worked my way up to be executive assistant and I was the one because of my great I guess personality and way of communicating with people I was able to bridge You know, the union, the, I worked, I was the president secretary at Boulevard Watch. And so the manufacturing plant was out back and they were unionized. And then we had the office and management and there was a big divide, you know, it was like us and them, Mm -hmm. the union and the, and the office people like, and like some days I'd be back there, you know, packaging watches and, and they're like, what are you doing back here? You're the president secretary. It's like well you you guys need more help back here, so I was there helping them and so when I actually when I left the my that job, they had such a big party, like all the people from the union and all the office and and it was like, wow, I felt like I really was the bridge that that brought those two um we need to work together like it's not us and them where it's one company and <laughs> and we're in it together really yeah yeah so i so I learned a lot about how to how to read people, I guess, how to, how to understand what people are really wanting by their body language and, you know, how they would approach me. And I didn't put up with a lot of crap. I didn't allow people to browbeat me or, you know, um, say derogatory things to me or about me or anybody else. You know, I think that when you get in that uh, thing of gossip, especially in an office, um, it can be so toxic. And it just hurts productivity and the whole morale, everything is, everything goes down when you start, you know, talking bad about others.
1: Yeah. How, how did you, how did you do, how did you kind of break that toxic gossip cycle? Cause a lot of people, I mean, usually what I've found, and I'd love your opinion on this, mm-hmm. it's when people are kind of miserable at their job or, and or miserable what they do, they love to kind of, bash or blame people? I mean, you know, everyone knows, everyone talks about the boss because it's the boss and the boss is in the bubble and everyone's always like, it's always sunny. And, you know, in the company when I'm next to the boss, and then really it's like, this is a disaster. And all they want to do is like stab him in the back or her, him or her. Um, <laughs> h- how did you break that toxic cycle of gossip?
2: Um well I would have uh with people that I was uh supervising if there was any I remember one time the the woman that I replaced <laughs> uh, so now I'm supervisor for another woman. And she kept saying, well, Carol did it this way. And Carol did it. Uh, and Carol, uh, that's not the way Carol. And I was, so I was like, oh, we better. So I would go home and I was like, ah, oh, like so frustrated with the whole situation And I was like, we can't continue with this angst. Obviously I'm feeling it. She's feeling it. You know? So I said, we need to just have a meeting right now. Like let's just go for a walk around the block and chat this Like what is happening here? I'm not her, she's not mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. we're going to have different things, but I want right. you to have an input, hmm. right? I think everybody wants to have a voice. I think yes. that you know, everybody wants to be heard. And sometimes in the office environment, um, or probably many workplaces, there is that hierarchy and you don't feel like you're, you know, you might have a great idea to save time or money for the company, but it's, you know, dismissed as, oh, you know, oh, they're not going to do that or right right or you don't get credit you know you might give a great idea and it gets implemented but it's never attributed to you so you're not motivated to offer more you want to just do the basic and i think you know that's not a way to live life like just living like just doing the bare minimum i'm i don't care they're not getting more than my hourly they're only paying me 15 bucks an hour so i'm not gonna do more than that it's like that that's you know if you excel then people will see you maybe not your own company but somebody that's visiting they might see you and go wow they might want to scoop you from that company because they're like wow that person's really a great employee
1: yeah yeah like always
2: do your best always always you know always do your best no matter if somebody's looking or not just for your own like just for your own self-worth and 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 so you can feel good yeah, yeah. Draw, bring people up rather than drawing others down.
1: Yeah. Did, did uh, when you retired, did they give you a watch?
2: <laughs> That's so funny.
1: I <laughs> uh, did they? I, I mean, I got to believe, like, you made them. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a whole walk of watches and, and Boulevard clocks. and. <laughs> oh, wow. They keep on going. That was a long time ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're great. I mean, it's a great brand. Like, yeah. I mean it's well known as a very high end status brand, right? Like, you know, I don't know how, how long that company has been around for what, a hundred years or it's a long time, right?
2: Yeah. Over a hundred years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, but it's, it's interesting jumping from executive assistant gatekeeper to (laughs) now I'm a worm composter champion of worm composting in a, in a time back in the, early 2000s where I know environmentalism was sort of there, you know, of course we had earth days and, you know, things were happening, but relatively new. And I I think you mentioned that a lot of people really didn't know what they needed. You know, they, they, they sort of knew what they wanted, but they didn't really know what they needed when it came to this. A lot of, I think you mentioned something about the education process of like, well, this is why you need, this is why this is important. And so, how did you go about doing that? Because I mean, even as an entrepreneur, I mean, all entrepreneurs have this problem, especially someone doing something new, something Mm -hmm. innovative. I mean, at the time, and still, I'm actually probably still is innovative, like, hey, this is a good idea. It's not, this has been going on for as long as worms have been around. (laughs) It's not, you know, we're just like making it an easier, easier process. So um, what what, what was sort of that educational process? How, How did that kind of, how did you educate people on the importance of this?
2: Yeah. Great question. So uh, early on in my, in my business, um, I think it was our, like, we used to have all these little local um, newspapers they've all been gobbled up by the larger media now. So, so all our little, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 little newspapers went out of business. Yeah. And they were just gobbled. So now it's like three, three major papers. Yeah. It's kind of sad because then that, you know, we don't really get local news anymore. But at that time, anyway, when I started, um, the, the editor of our local paper just loved what I was doing. And so she was very supportive and, and wrote about me. And as soon as I got an article, you know, you get response. Yeah. So then I was like, Oh, I was like Pavlov's dog. Oh, I, I like that. I like getting a response. Hmm. You know, so I was like, Oh, so I chose media as my marketing strategy. And I, you know, in 2002, our landfill closed, and then we had a garbage strike in the summer of 2002. And again, when when there's a la- a, a garbage strike, you might as well have it in the summer in Canada.
1: <laughs> oh, talk about perfect timing! You can literally smell it.
2: <laughs> you know, and I'm watching the news. So again, the largest city for in Canada, six million people. And so people were lining up for hours to drop off their garbage at the transfer station. And I was like, man, those people don't compost because if you compost, it takes the stink out of garbage. Mm. So you've got your recyclables. They don't smell, you know, you, you don't care. Like stay right. on strike. That's fine. Yeah. What do we care? Yeah. But when you've got that smelly thing and then rats and right. Yeah. Then the health hazard, like just all of that whole, plus it's a world-class city. <laughs> Yep. Right. That's, that's not so cool. Like when you come, Oh, I went to Toronto, it stunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm not going there. Not right. Going there so, so I was like, Oh, so I decided to go on a road trip. I'm like, I'm going to go on a road trip and, and find out why people aren't. Cause I'm curious too. I wanted to find out why people didn't compost. So rather than just going down there, I was like, Oh, let me send press releases to the Toronto outlets. So five minutes after sending my press release to the Toronto star largest paper in Canada a reporter called me and said thanks for your article on vermicomposting I I wrote an article last week about composting and I forgot about the apartment dwellers when you're done at the transfer station can you come on down to the star I'd like to interview him like oh yay woo! I could just get an article in the star but I was but I but I really wanted to know so it was it was a fascinating Thing. I mean, fascinating. And I think.
1: (laughs) Well, but I mean, I think to your point, though, like you chose media as your marketing message or as your marketing main menu, main kind of way to go. You found a trend and it was topical, which I tell everyone about topics and trends. Like you got to ride the wave. Like if Things are going on and you can be a part of it, you got to jump on it. You, you got and you also, I think the other thing that was really interesting is that you had actually built up um, relationships before this thing happened. So not only are you an expert in what you do, you have a solution, but people know and like and trust you. So it's only natural that if you' if, you're, if your marketing mechanism is the media, you need to build those relationships when you actually don't need them and be useful. So I found that really, that's super cool. Like, gosh, so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, so, so the landfill in Toronto is still closed, right? I'm assuming.
2: Oh, it's, it's full. It's going to be a ski hill soon. <laughs>
1: oh, ski hill. Oh, well that's very Canadian, huh? <laughs> Uh, if you would have said hockey rink, I'd have been like, all oh, right, here we go. Right. And you know, that would have been even better or, or a curling or a hurling or curling. Right, yeah. That would, <laughs> that would have been even better. Right. Even better. So, so around like 2012, you started to have challenges like, Hey, I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, like it's not, it's going kind of not going. And then you found this laughing yoga or laughter yoga. Um, which I also find extremely interesting because I think we need to laugh more, to be honest. Um, There's lots of great studies about how laughter just helps connect and it's just good to breathe and get the endorphins. You know, I mean, it's tough times now. I mean, we're still in COVID and I think a lot of times people lose that connection and not only that, but to laughter and community and all that sort of stuff. So tell me a little bit about, Laughter yoga, and then specifically, how do you think that helps you as an entrepreneur kind of like handle the zigs and zags and stress, which there is of the job?
2: Yeah, so laughter yoga, it, um, it's the 26th anniversary of laughter yoga, started in 1995 by a medical doctor in India, uh, Dr. Madan Kataria. and his goal is world peace through laughing i mean it's it's a cool thing I, I i just want to jump on that bandwagon oh i did <laughs> and so yeah so um your question was how how does it oh so we need laughter more than ever like laughter is the best medicine we've we've all heard that and i say have you had your daily dose yeah dopamine oxytocin serotonin and endorphins right the love drugs when we're laughing we're connected we feel good we're our body's oxygenated versus when we're stressed we're not breathing properly right we're secreting cortisol mm-hmm. not so mm-hmm. good no but we're not breathing properly the really the big important part about laughter is it help like we can't just laugh out we can't just be like ha 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 we have to be like ha 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 ha. So yeah. it so it's both ways. We breathe in, we breathe out, and that's the important piece because we can live without food and water for a few days. We can only live without oxygen for a few minutes. Like we might be grumpy and uncomfortable if we're not eating, <laughs> right? So so la- so um, d- when we're stressed, again, we're not breathing properly, and our brain requires twenty five percent more oxygen than the rest of our body as an operating principle. Right? It's a machine. So, when we're stressed, we're not breathing properly, our body's not getting what it needs. For sure, our brain isn't. Ever lost your keys? <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> and you're, yeah.
2: Right? You're flapping around. You're like, ah, where are my keys? I got to go. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're flapping around, you're never finding your keys in your state because you're answering your answering machine is literally being deprived of, uh, of oxygen. So, next time you're flapping around, I hope my voice comes into your little brain and you say, oh, what did Kathy say? Oh, Stop. Take a breath. Laugh it off. Ha ha ha. Apologize to everybody <laughs> that you just yelled at, <clears throat> and then you'll find your keys.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just so so interesting that you say this about how <laughs> laughter and breathing and all that. Because um, I I suffer from sleep apnea, and I've been trying to fix that for the last couple of years. And part of the reason I suffer from it is a lot of like physiological things as well as, you know, inflammation. And, you know, I used to drink a lot. I don't don't drink anymore, but that all kind of compounds to it. But the, the thing that I just sort of put me over the edge on, well, what's really the root cause? Like when I was younger, I didn't have this. And now all of a sudden I have this quote unquote condition slash disease that quote unquote will never get fixed, which I never believe. And so I'm like, okay, well, what is the real root cause of this? And it turns out it's this breathing problem where I was more of a mouth breather than a nose breather and also not fully oxygenating and really using the muscles in my, my, my mouth and my diaphragm and breathing, you know, like just didn't know how to breathe. It's funny. I'm 50. I should know how to breathe. Right. (laughs) It's like a silly thing. But I think to your point about kind of what, you know, what you're talking about with, uh, laughter yoga, it's, it is that almost meditative state when you are laughing and feeling like just, it, it sort of releases the tension. Cause you know, the cortisol dump, like, especially when you're stressed, you are just not thinking correctly at all. And when you're stressed and tired and all these sort of things for me, just completely like disintegrated into just, Oh man, like I am not in my right mind. And um, yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting, why do they call it laughter yoga then? I mean, is, is that literally like breathe, laugh and then, or is there other, other mechanisms you have to do?
2: I think have to do yeah, that. great. I would like to address the stress part. I will talk about why it's called laughter yoga. Um, so when we're stressed, what happens? You said you, you feel like you're not in your right, right mind. You're literally not. So when we get stress, blood, lymph, oxygen, not all, 80% or so leave our brain. They leave our head because we need them in our body. We're going into fight, flight, or freeze when we're we're stressed. Mm -hmm. And so we're literally not in our right mind because our brain isn't functioning properly and we're secreting cortisol and we're just like, how do I, then we're anxious and we need to just get out of that situation. So, yeah, so laughter, right? Then it will fix all that. <laughs> laughter yoga. So it's called laughter yoga. Um, it's a medical doctor and his wife. She is a, yo- um, a yoga instructor. And so you, laughter yoga is not about jokes or comedy. It's intentional laughter exercises. So it's, it's you know, it's not telling jokes and laughing. It's, it's just little games, um, little activities that the leader, you know, it introduces its breathing exercises. So it is diaphragmatic breathing. But the yoga part, yoga kind of means um, the practice of. So it's the practice of laughing. It is a practice, it's a muscle. Like, have you ever laughed so hard your stomach's hurting? Your cheeks <laughs> yeah. are hurting? You're like, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. Yeah, stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Those oh, are the yeah. laughter muscles.
1: Hmm.
2: And you were saying you're 50 and you should know how to breathe. Why? We're not taught these things.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that uh, I'm, I'm being hard on myself just because it, it, it was, it's honestly, it's a, it feels weird when someone, when you get diagnosed with anything, I mean, you know, okay, things happen, right. But when some, when they say, Oh, you have sleep apnea, you have to use this sleep apnea CPAP machine for your whole life. Unless you like lose 20 pounds or whatever, like there or 20%, just some crazy thing, which is h- kind of hard to do slash, well, why, well, why did I get it? Is, is I always like, well, why did I get it? And they're like, well, you just got it. You're like, it's just because you're getting older. And I'm like, well, that's a bad, I don't like that answer. <laughs> that's a dumb, that's a dumb answer, right? Like, I know you just got to kind of move me on through the process because you got another 10 patients to see, but I was really upset by this. Um, and it actually, it actually, I got diagnosed about a year rough. Well, right after my wife Jane died. And so I was under a lot of stress and strain as well. And it was actually my fiance now who, who realized that, oh, you, you should get checked out because you stop breathing during the night, right. Which is a clear sign or snoring or all that sort of stuff. And it, it, it turns out that this breathing thing, like practicing breathing, breathing through the nose, diaphragmic breathing with the with the stump, like really working hard on it. Cause um apparently the diaphragm is like the second heart, quote unquote. Like they're commonly referred to. I wasn't breathing through my diaphragm. I was mouth breathing, which I didn't even know what that meant until someone said, well, yeah, you breathe through your nose, right? But this whole practice, again, like a really I'm really glad you brought that up because as I start to like consciously think, breathe through my nose, that calms me down too. And this practice of I'm under stressful conditions. And again, there's not an entrepreneur listening to this it hasn't been through a process where they're like, oh, great. Like the cortisol, I can, you can feel it, you know, you can feel you start to shake and you feel, uh, you know, you just, you, it's, you literally like what you said, fight, flight or freeze. And you know, and if you can get yourself out of that, then you can sort of calm down your nervous system. Because the other thing with cortisol and all these stress hormones is that you crave eating bad stuff, (laughs) which full disclosure. Yeah. I used to still have a problem with donuts. Right. But it's like, you know, I love the fact that it's called laughter yoga. And, 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 and I would really love if you could just give us some, some tips, some hints, like, How could we start a laughter practice and a breathing practice to help us during the stressful times of being an entrepreneur? It's one of the most stressful jobs. What are some of kind of your thoughts on that?
2: It is very stressful, yes. So as soon as we so I would say how do how do you start? By starting (laughs) and just really making a conscious effort. Like as soon as we smile, we start to secrete the, the love drugs because we're sending a note to our brain. Oh, I must be happy. And here's another thing when we're, when we're stressed and we're depressed and anxious all like how we are today, we're closed. We're looking down, you know, we're small. We're not taking up a lot of space. We're breathing shallow, all of these things, all of these um, ways that we're, we're being are, are contributing to our state of not feeling good and not being able to get motivated and "Ah, I might as well just eat the chips because I, what the heck, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Or the ding dong or the, the, the Danish
2: (laughs) or the, whatever, whatever your, your, your favorite
1: place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and those things are fine, but the problem is that we eat those and then, and then we feel bad about ourselves. So Mm. then we beat ourselves up and we're like, ah, why did I do that again? Like eat the whole bag of chips again, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) um, Oh, la, 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 la. I lost my way. <laughs> ways, uh, to,
1: ways to practice laughter yoga. Oh, ways
2: to practice. Yes. So just by starting to smile. Oh yeah. So when, when we're sad, we're looking down and how are we looking when we're on our cell phones? Mm, we're
1: looking, we're looking down.
2: down. So even if we're looking at a, at a cute cat video, we're sending a note to our brain that I'm sad
1: because mm. we're
2: looking down So somebody, some entrepreneur out there needs to invent some way that we can, like we have selfie sticks and stuff that help us so we're taking a nice nice angle. (laughs) Somebody needs to invent something so we can have our cell phone here so that we're not looking down. Um, because it's it's really important. <laughs> and ha- so how do you so I would say at the, during this time there are laughter clubs around the world and we have we're primed for this time, we're ready. Mm. Laughter yogis are ready um, to help raise the vibration again, back to stress and feeling bad and sad and anxious. That's low vibration activity. Where that like when you're feeling any of those, that those are vibrating down here and laughter. Is is a high vibration uh, activity. So laughter yogis are ready to help people feel better. And we do. As soon as you start laughing, you feel better. You're just like, oh, huh. And you sleep better. You sleep better because you're oxygenated, your cells. Like, what did they say? If you have like an argument, a five minute argument, the effect, you know, you're secreting cortisol for the next 24 hours. Same if you laugh for 5 minutes. Now you're secreting all the love drugs for the next 24 hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's a good good thing to remember because yeah, I know I know my own experience with like high levels of cortisol, stress, grief. It's grief and sorrow have the same mechanism, right? You lose someone you love. It's sad. You feel like crap. All you want to do is get that dopamine hit that just literally gets you out of it. So you go after the things that make it easy to get the dopamine hit, you know, drugs, alcohol, sugar, coffee, you know, everything like that. Um, Sex, sex, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Any, anything that's going to get that that hit of pleasure because you're so sad. Um, And if you habituate that over time, your body is not supposed to be in this constant state of stress and strain. I mean, you know, a lot of that cortisol, you you can see people when they're like, again, you said hunched down, they gain weight. They're they're like ready for a battle constantly. And you don't sleep well and you sort of burn out. This, This is how classically an entrepreneur will burn out because you just can't handle the cortisol anymore. And then all of a sudden you start to get sick and, a lot of times being sick is your, you know, your immune system's depressed and your body's like, I need a reset. <laughs> I'm just going to get super sick so that you have no choice <laughs> to, you know, right. Um, so interesting. Okay. And, and so,
2: you know, uh, Jerry, sorry to interrupt. When yeah, no we're, When we're stressed, we can't heal when we're under stress, we mm. can't heal. So it doesn't matter if we're taking yummy supplements and we're doing, you know, the things, the physical things, it's not doing any good if we're still stressed cuz we're in sympathetic we need to bounce our body into parasympathetic so we can heal and that's you know it sounds like oh that's so easy to say no it is it really is <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, no, so it, right. so you know there was a documentary by Albert Nuremberg called laughology and mm-hmm. this this documentary is about laughter and not just laughter yoga it's it's a part of it but it's just about laughter in general and he was uh, going to india to interview madan kateria dr kateria and he arrived in india at the day after the mumbai bombings wow. and it was like oh like oh i guess we can't i guess we're not filming and uh, dr kateria was like oh we must we must we've got this horrific tragedy in in the country we we must otherwise you're in the corner so stressed all afraid. Like now what do we do? We must laugh so we can come together and be like, okay, I see you there. We all are in this together. Yeah. So we can support.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's important. Also getting, like we were talking a little bit before about how people don't like to get together and like talk on the phone or like the text or email. But I know during stressful times, especially when someone you love dies, the, the, the sort of the celebration of life, the kind of the getting together to kind of commiserate and kind of celebrate the person or funeral, whatever. And what's interesting is that it's sad, but then there's also a lot of laughter, which is seems a bit odd, right? And I remember, you know, Jane's celebration of life. It was sad. I mean, she was 36, She died of leukemia. That's awful. But we laughed a lot because we were sharing this, the beauty of like who she was. And it just made me feel a lot better. I mean, honestly, it was, it's strange because you, (laughs) you're in this very serious, like sad thing, but yet the laughter is what kind of brings you together. And I remember thinking consciously that this is going to be a really hard day but I need to lead the way. It was strange that I had this revelation. I'm like, well, if I'm sad, everyone else is going to be sad. So I need to be the dutiful amount of respect. Right. But I also need to like, this is how I want people to act because we're celebrating. I mean, we even called it a celebration as opposed to a funeral Mm -hmm. because we wanted the positivity in the crappy situation. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think you're right. What what happens is when there's tragedy or even like what we're going through with COVID, I mean, just, just this nightmarish scenario. Mm. It is good to find a way to kind of, it sounds strange, but sort of enjoy, laugh, come together, connect even in misery. And I know, uh, Victor Frankl, who uh, who wrote um, wrote a couple of books. One was um, Man's Search for Meaning, and he wrote another one. Uh, I don't remember some about living life or it's your life to live, something like that. It was some of his lectures, and he would talk about the some of the joy stuff they would do in Auschwitz, like in mm-hmm. constant. I mean, talk about in concentration camps. And I remember my grandmother, who was in who was um, in occupied holland during world war ii and i remember her telling me she's like we had so much fun <laughs> i'm like well, well, well what? you were occupied by the nazis they were starving you out she's like yeah we had such a fun time we had so many parties and i'm like what <laughs> i mean you know i don't want to laugh at the gravity but but the, the they found the joy in it because they had no choice right gosh that's so so, super interesting so
2: well you know that's the difference between happiness and joy yeah happiness is conditional Mm. right when i get the job or the house or when i get this or that or get the girl or guy or whatever i'll be happy then oh just use wait and see i'll be happy but until then no i'll be miserable miserable till i get what i want and then once you get the thing you're like a kid that got a new toy at christmas and then you're like oh five minutes later the box is more interesting
1: (laughs) exactly Exactly. right so
2: so that's happiness that's fine joy is yes being able to find that peace wherever you are like the joy in the moment Hmm. it's not conditional it's 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 one of our emotions
1: yeah interesting interesting and so, I believe
2: it's our God-given right I believe that it's where we're meant to be joyful here it's us that struggle we're the ones that that struggle every day we get in our way and we're like oh this and that and if we just focus more on what it is that we want and sound I sound like the secret I know but <laughs> 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 It's the truth, though, you know? I mean, it's more than just like, oh, writing it on a vision board and then it's it's coming. Uh, some actions required, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty consistent across all religious disciplines and all religious movements. I, I don't think you'll see any debate on that. I mean, it's suffering that the suffering we put on ourselves is what we put on ourselves. I mean, it, it is in our head. Like, it's hard to, to realize that. Um, until you've gone through something pretty traumatic and you're like oh well how i deal with this is really going to matter as opposed to letting it consume me so
2: but our society is i mean if we look at the media if we look at like mainstream media and social media and just we are we gravitate somehow to the negative to the tragic story where we're like oh you think that's bad and you know how many times have you been with people and then everyone's like oh la, la la and then everyone's you know, one upping the other on how bad their, their crappy life is. It's like, <laughs> don't join that. Don't join that party. Join yeah. the party where the people are like, Oh, guess what I did? Oh, you know what, whatever, like the good deeds that you've done, share those yeah. so you can inspire other people, bring them up instead of saying, Oh, those people over there, you know, like yeah. instead of judging everybody, yeah. you know, just, yeah, I think, I think it's, it really is perspective. I th- I really think that we need to, well, it's, it's up to you, whatever you want to do, but you know, to have a more joy filled life for me, it's not, you know, what am I, when am I going to get all this stuff? It's like, how many moments in a day am I, am I, was I up? Like how many moments each day? Am I like, Oh, Oh, this is a good moment. This is a good moment. This is a good moment. Hey, so many good moments. This was a pretty good day. <laughs> Right? Because we only have each moment. And that's what laughter brings us. When we're laughing full on, we're not thinking about yesterday, or tomorrow, or that thing we said that, why did we say that? Oh, and then we beat ourselves up, and we start secreting cortisol. (laughs) Because we're like, ah, oh, I couldn't, no, oh. we should just be like, okay, here's an example. So taxes are due in, in April, end of April in Canada. <laughs> and um, I owed a lot of taxes and I was like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> so I could have been like a, like a lot, a lot of taxes where it could have been like, oh, yikes, how am I, ah. Or what I did was like, ah, <laughs> when I got the news, I was stirred up. <laughs> I laughed for like as long as it took for me to stop, stop secreting cortisol. <laughs> and then, right. It doesn't change the situation. I still owe all that money. It's coming. <laughs> and i still owe all that money. It doesn't change the situation. It just changes how I react to it. You're right. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. What, what kind of advice would you give to the next generation of entrepreneurs?
2: I would say um, find out what, what turns you on like what is it that you want to do maybe make a list of things that you love to do you're still gonna have to do things that you don't like to do but have a list of things that you want to do and things that you don't really want to do and and then see also i would say so that's that's a great thing because you want to do more things that you like to do and then you just farm out the rest like pay for for your weaknesses when once you can once you're making money (laughs) to do that and I would say find if find a problem like you know the younger people today are so in tune with all the challenges in the world mm-hmm. that it can probably seem pretty heavy so what i would say is don't focus on everything just be like ah oh, Like for me, it really bugged me all this compostable matter just going to landfill when we could use it to make more soil and grow more nutritious food. That was my thing. Maybe somebody's issue is they don't like the dirty water. They don't like something and they have a solution for it. Focus on that. Like where you have a solution for a world problem, then that's where you want to go. You want to be serving because when we serve and we do good work, then it doesn't even feel like work. It's like, we're, we're just be good people and we feel good and people support us. And, and I do believe everybody at, at in the bottom line really wants to be involved. We want to be part of community. We want to be contributing members. You know, I really do believe that. I know there's a lot of um judgment and a lot of mistrust and miscommunications and all all that I would say have the conversation back to back to the beginning if if you're not sure what somebody meant by an email or a text phone them yeah pick up the phone yeah
1: ask yeah no that's <laughs> that's and laugh a lot I would think
2: and laugh a lot yes please <laughs>
1: <laughs> well Kathy it's been such a great conversation I really enjoyed it and it's just such an awesome perspective you have and I wish you so much luck and composting with worms and laughing and, you know, paying your taxes. Yeah, I'm guilty of that as well. I sometimes get surprised by it, but I pay it. I pay it.
2: (laughs) No red flags.
1: No red flags. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Kathy, for a great interview. I actually can't stop laughing now and I feel a ton better. So thank you for that. As promised, here are the actionable insights I learned from my interview with Kathy. A key to being successful is in-person connection. Pick up the phone or even better, meet face-to-face to help spread your message. Of course, all of this to do that and meet everyone and stuff when it's safe to do But there is a valuable um, insight that Kathy gave us about that power of connection and even uh, seeing someone. Most of our communication is nonverbal. So when we see people, we can read the room. So that's very important. Cultivate and follow your joy. What turns you on? Do more of what you like to do. Also, instead of striving to have more and more and more things, Strive to have more joyful moments in the day, day, excuse me, that's, remember, we talked about happiness and joy. Happiness may be external, joy may be internal, so try to cultivate more joy. Find one problem and help solve it. No one person can solve everything, but you can make a difference, and this all has to do with focus, so if you're going to focus on one thing, just make sure you do it really well, and then you can go off and do other things. The last one is don't underestimate the gatekeepers like assistants and those that help who you want to talk to. They do hold the keys to the proverbial castle. If you're not nice to them, you will never get the meeting and hopefully you're nice to everyone, but don't underestimate that. It's very important because they're the ones that set the agenda for the boss or the VP or whoever you want to meet. So there you go. Those are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Kathy. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.